Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 42 of the Morning Round Trip Podcast. My name is Drew Frank here on August 21st, joined by my co-host Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And today, once again, unfortunately, we lead off with news about the MLB's latest COVID outbreak. And here it has hit a new clubhouse as the Mets organization announced two new positive tests. One player and one staff member have tested positive per reports, and their game against Miami last night was postponed. Their upcoming series against the Yankees has also been postponed, and while we were hoping that with the Cardinals back in action and the Reds back in action, we would finally see all 30 teams playing, but after a rain delay on Wednesday and now this cancellation last night, We've hit 25 consecutive days where we haven't seen all 30 teams playing baseball. So just a tough situation there as that marks the fourth team now that has a COVID outbreak. And while that fourth team number does seem like a lot, I think that the MLB has done a relatively solid job in dealing with these COVID cases and trying to get games rescheduled. Now, I understand that it's not optimal to have teams play five game series where four of those are double headers. But it's interesting that you had a couple of Mets opt out of the season, citing fear that it would reach their locker rooms. Joanna Cespedes and Marcus Stroman both opted out because they believed that COVID at one point or another would make its way into their locker room. And it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy now as it has and their upcoming series have been postponed. One of the league's bright spots that we've seen recently beyond the pandemic is at least a lot of teams can take comfort to what they've seen on the field with their young stars emerging. We talked about Dane Dunning and Casey Mize to quite some extent. We've seen Christian Pache called up, and now recently we've seen Joey Bart promoted. The young catcher for the Giants promoted played his first game yesterday, and his first MLB hit came as an 109-mile-an-hour double laced down the line last night. So a little bit of excitement there for Giants fans, who so far haven't seen much to look forward to aside from guys like Yastrzemski and a few other bats, as their team has allowed the most runs in all of baseball so far. We also saw a whole lot of injuries yesterday, and they seem to just pile on, not to new teams, but to teams that were already hit hard by injuries. The Houston Astros move Alex Bregman to the IL. We saw him taken out of Tuesday's game and sat out yesterday, placed on the IL with a hamstring sprain, and we do not know his timetable yet. He joins a whole bunch of other stars on this Astros IL. Similarly, the Bronx Bombers are in the exact same spot. They lose Zach Britton to the IL. That's after they lost Tommy Canely a few weeks ago. And another bat gone from their lineup. Judge LeMahieu Stanton will add Glaber Torres to that list. He left the game yesterday, and we don't know if he's going to the IL right away. But it didn't look good. He kind of stumbled out of the batter's box in yesterday's game and has had an MRI. We haven't heard the results of that yet. And James Paxton also had an MRI after his start yesterday with some forearm slash elbow issues, something in that region. So we'll wait to hear those results. 
But in the meantime, the Yankees, they still have to play their games, and unfortunately, they had to play them against their top division rival, the Tampa Bay Rays. They lost yesterday 10-5, to and Tampa Bay sweeps the series, moves half a game ahead of these Yankees, but big picture for the long-term effect on the season. Yankees fans have more to be worried about than just losing this game in the standings. Yeah, and this was a game that... Yankees fans probably felt a little bit more optimistic about after James Paxton came out with a no-hitter through four innings, but his control ended up hurting him in the fifth as he allows three walks in that inning. The three runs he would allow on the day would only include one hit, so James Paxton, a pretty strong performance, so a guy who maybe was starting to right the ship for himself a little bit. It's definitely unfortunate that he's going to need an MRI on his arm just to figure out if there's anything deeper there or if it's purely just a maintenance issue and maybe he'll need to miss one or two starts. But this is a Yankees team that's lost a whole lot of games to injury so far. And if you're only playing 60 games, it's rough to see how many guys that they've missed so far on the season. An interesting note for the Rays in this one, they did have a bullpen day, so they used seven pitchers. But only one of their pitchers went more than an inning and a third, so not a not a tremendous deal of production out of their bullpen, but their bullpen was serviceable, only allowed five runs, uh, and their offense was able to get things going in this 10-5 victory. Bit of a note, Diego Castillo surrenders an earned run in the fifth, and he's credited with a blown save. But the Rays come back to score in the sixth inning, which means he not only takes the blown save... But he also takes the win hmm. in just two-thirds innings of work. <laughs> Baseball's weird, man. I love it. The first sweep of the Yankees there since 2014. The first time that a team in a single road trip has swept both the Yankees and the Red Sox in their respective homes since the AL-winning 1990 Oakland A's. Don't know if necessarily the Rays are on that same path to make it all the way to the World Series, but... We'll have to see. They move half a game ahead of the Yankees. And now I mentioned briefly in the opening, the Yankees are sitting out for a bit now because the Mets tested positive and were scheduled to play the Yankees for three games. Now all of a sudden, Tampa's going to have a chance to expand on that lead while the Yankees are sitting out because Tampa faces Toronto, Baltimore, and then Miami. So certainly some winnable games there for the Rays. But in this situation, you mentioned they're going to be missing a series. That means that that 10-day IL stint for a bunch of those players is cut down by a little bit because yep. they're going to have some games off now. They are going to make them up in, I assume, doubleheaders and consecutive days. But this is good for the Yankees because it sort of gives them a reprieve. Maybe they get a chance to reset themselves after falling into a lull. The team hasn't looked as sharp as they did when they first started out the year. And maybe you can accredit that to the injuries they've suffered to a major, major part of their lineup with LeMahieu, Judge, Stanton, and now Glaber Torres possibly joining those big bats on the IL. But this is going to be a chance for them to reassess what they're doing, and maybe the layoff will do good for them as it has done for so many other teams. And the Astros similarly have injury issues, but them, they haven't let it stop them. They beat Colorado at Coors Field yesterday, now winning eight in a row despite their injuries. The Rockies continue their downward trajectory, dropping four in a row, being swept by these Astros, and they are now two and eight in their last ten. In this one, we are watching the two starting pitchers, and not the greatest, you could say. 
Herman Marquez, shaky with the fastball, left a lot of the pitches over the middle of the plate. The slider was not where he usually has it. He's usually in better control of those two pitches, his two biggest pitches, but not a great day from him. They leave him in for all 10 runs against as they lose this game 10-8. He goes five innings, and you usually don't even see a pitcher left in this long. But he gets pulled after five complete. The bullpen go four scoreless innings to keep these Rockies in this one. But the deficit was dug so big they couldn't come back. Christian Javier on the other side of things goes three and two thirds. So not the most depth in terms of starting pitching. But he only allows three and runs in that time which greatly outpaced Herman Marquez. And we know neither of these teams have great bullpens. And for the Astros, Raley, James, and Presley combined to give up five earned, but that was all they needed because of how well the bats were able to jump on Marquez. And not a pretty game, but for Houston, who's so hurt, they'll take it. Can't say I understand the decision by Bud Black to leave Herman Marquez in there for all 10 runs against, but the weird thing was that it came in just two big innings. It was the second and the fifth where Marquez found himself in some trouble. In that second inning, he had only allowed one run to come across, and he was looking at a situation with two outs, so he was going to have the opportunity to be able to get out of that inning with just the one run scored. That doesn't happen, though, as he gives up four more in the inning, and he would have another big spot put up against him in that fifth inning. And for as questionable as this Astros lineup has become in the recent days with some of their bigger bats being placed on the IL, I thought they looked good against Marquez, and Jose Altuve picked things up in the past couple of games in Colorado grabbed himself two hits in each of the last two games, so maybe he's beginning to figure things out on the season. And Carlos Correa has been one of the more consistent performers for this Houston Astros team throughout the year. Now, we mentioned Cole Tucker yesterday and the two triples that he managed to pull off. He pulled off another one in this game, so that's three triples in just two days And he's got four on the year, which leads the major leagues. So that means there is an offensive category that Fernando Tatis Jr. is not leading the major leagues in. (laughs) As for the Rockies, it's kind of rough to put up 11 runs. (laughs) It's, It's not the easiest thing. Even against a depleted Astros bullpen and one that's been struggling, like we've said, just it didn't matter in this one. The bullpen ended up giving up five earned runs, but they were picked up by their bats. And despite the best efforts of some of the Rockies, Ramel Tapia goes one for two and reaches base five times with four walks. And Ryan McMahon goes two for three with a couple of home runs, one to deep center field, that 415 wall. Sort of looks like it's about 12 miles away from home plate, but as we know in Coors Field, you don't need Paul Bunyan strength to get the ball over the wall. Just the skid continues for the Colorado Rockies, and man, for a team that looked so good a couple of weeks ago, they have really fallen off. And our final game of the night between Cincinnati and St. Louis ended up as a 5-4 Cardinals victory in spite of Sonny Gray's best efforts. So I'd say Sonny Gray clearly outpitched Adam Wainwright in this one. Wainwright goes an extra inning and allows four runs over seven. Gray allows two over six, and by the time we went to the bottom of the ninth, this game was still four to two with just the runs allowed by the starters. 
For Sonny Gray, the problem was his walks. He walked four batters, which is uncharacteristic. And of the two runs that scored, one scored because it reached via a walk, and the other one scored because it was pushed into scoring position because of a walk. But for the Reds, quite simply, it was just the bottom of the ninth got away from them. Rizal Iglesias given a 4-2 lead, let all four of the first batters he faced that inning reach base, hit the first guy, walked the second guy, then allowed two singles, and the second single a little unlucky because it was a ground ball that might have been a double play, but it brushed off his glove and everyone was safe. But the rest of them, you can't blame anyone else for hitting a guy, for walking a guy. Entirely his fault there. He then balked in the tying run when he flinched his front shoulder. It's rough. And... The Reds tried to salvage it by bringing in Nate Jones to get out of it, but with the game 4-4, the winning run on third and only one out, he was unable to, and a deep fly ball to center field walked it off by Colton Wong. Not really much to say here besides the Reds were out front all game and the bullpen just blew it. Yeah, our prediction was looking good in this one. We both had Cincinnati, and I think we were both pretty confident when Rysel Iglesias was put into the game, but after seeing his performance in this one, I think we'll be a little bit more cautious when we see this Reds bullpen employed to close the door. Like you said, Sonny Gray, the four walks were a bit of an issue, but I thought Gray's resolve in this one was actually really strong. He found himself in a couple of unfavorable positions, uh, some low leverage with runners in scoring position a couple of times, but he was able to dance his way out of danger. And Adam Wainwright on the other side wasn't incredible. He was serviceable, but like you said, it ended up coming down to the bullpen. But the contrast between him and Sonny Gray, no walks for Adam Wainwright. A pretty strong performance for a guy who's getting up there in age, and the Cardinals have been able to get some very strong innings out of Wainwright in the games that they've seen him in so far this year. Uh, A note on the Cardinals, Yadier Molina makes his return to the lineup, goes two for four with three RBIs in his first game since July 29th. That's compounded by uh, his bout with COVID and the team's layoff because of COVID. Like you said, though, really, really rough for Sonny Gray as the bullpen isn't able to get it done for him. Around the league, we've seen the clock strike midnight on a lot of the Cinderella stories. A tweet from Bob Nightingale that I'll read word for word here. He says, Those feel-good stories of the Marlins, Tigers, Orioles, and Rockies who were defying our imagination just a week ago have now lost 23 games in a row as the standings seem to kind of be shaking out a little more as we expected. And for those teams, they're heading right back down to near the bottom of their respective standings where we were kind of expecting them to be. We also saw history in San Diego last night as the Padres pulled off a sweep of the Rangers, hitting their fourth Grand Slam in four days, the only team ever in all of baseball's recorded history to hit Grand Slams in four consecutive days. And how about Fernando Tatis Jr., who hit the first one, He was on first base for Machado's, on second base for Hosmer's, and on third base for Myers. So he got the Grand Slam cycle participating in every which way he could. Clearly, their their whole offense runs through this guy. He's such an electric player on the field for San Diego. This is a bad look for the Rangers, man, because your manager comes out and says that, uh, you know, the team felt a little 
disrespected with the swing on the 3-0 count. Not only have they lost every game since that, they've also given up three other Grand Slams after that one. Well done, San Diego. We saw all sorts of aces hurling last night. The AL Central especially. Barrios, Bieber, and Giolito each put up shutout efforts. Giolito had the best one probably, striking out 13 to Tigers in only seven innings. Great work from him. We saw Clayton Kershaw throwing seven innings of one-run ball, striking out 11 as he looks right back in prime form after being a little hurt to start the year. And Matt Chapman hit two home runs against Arizona to carry the A's to splitting that series. His two home runs combined for 862 feet. He was mashing last night. But as we look at our games tonight, we'll start off with two teams that have been very hot at the plate themselves. Houston takes on San Diego, and it's Lance McCullers versus Garrett Richards. Two guys that have been very volatile and potentially injury-prone, you could say. Very sharp breaking stuff from both of them. Who you got in this one? This one's going to be close. We see a couple of winning streaks on the line in this one. It's eight consecutively for the Astros and four consecutively for the Padres. But as we all know, can't have two winning streaks come out of a game when teams go head to head. So I think that the Astros are going to be able to carry their momentum in this one. I mean, the Padres have looked great, but you know, that bullpen, man, it's just looked so, so shaky. Houston's bullpen hasn't looked the best either, but as we've seen from the Astros, they can put up the run support to cover the bullpen. I think the Astros are going to come out with a win in this one, but I think it's going to be close. I've got the Padres. I could see Richards putting up a pretty decent start, but the San Diego bullpen should be able to well outclass Houston throughout the series, especially after we only saw three and two-thirds yesterday afternoon from Javier. They should be pretty gassed. Another game we've got going on, but from two very different types of pitchers, we've got Keuchel and Lester going head-to-head in the Windy City rivalry tonight at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.15 Chicago Time, and I'm going to stick with the White Sox. I know the Cubs have been better throughout the season, but the White Sox on a five-game heater, they've been lighting up Detroit, and I think it's time we see them taking it to some other competition. I don't know if lighting up Detroit is an accomplishment in 2020, uh, but nonetheless, a five-game winning streak is a five-game winning streak. A couple of soft-tossing lefties. I'm going Cubs over White Sox in this one just because I think that they're going to be able to ride the momentum of their first place standing in that National League Central. And I think Lester might not have a tremendous game as we know that this White Sox lineup does hit lefties pretty well. I think he's going to be solid, though. I think he'll give this team enough to get by the White Sox in this one. And finally, our last game we're going to project for tonight is between Philadelphia and Atlanta as two strong pitchers take the mound as Nola pitches against Max Freed. Freed has been one of the best pitchers in baseball so far, and I just watched the Phillies blow two games in the same day against the Blue Jays. I'm taking Atlanta, but I dare you to split all three of our predictions and take Philadelphia if you're brave enough to here. Philly, I think after being embarrassed by the Blue Jays in that series out in Buffalo, I think maybe they're going to be able to put things together here. And Aaron Nola has just looked so, so strong in his past couple of games. We are going to split this one. I'm going Phillies over Braves. 
catch that game at 7.10 p.m. Eastern. I think that one is definitely the game of the night to be watching. But that's all our time for today. You can find our show on Twitter at Trip Morning. You can find us on Instagram at Morning Round Trip. And we will be right back here tomorrow morning. For Drew Frank and Liam Crothers, thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.